for those of you who haven't met me yet, I'm Dave Nee. I am the newest member of our elder team, and uh, that means that uh, I get to be the uh, I get to have this opportunity to talk with you about uh, Jonah chapter four, and we wrap up this study. First of all, uh, the the thing that um, I want to I want to uh, congratulate you on is getting to the end of this. Um, because uh, if you have um, been in America lately, uh, we are much better starters than we are finishers uh, for all kinds of reasons. Um, things happen. Um, and we, we uh, believe that there are good things for us, and so we get started on them. And for, for whatever reason, then, we struggle to actually get it done. I wish... You could see the books that I have started, and uh, they're good books, but I'm not getting them finished, would be one example in my life. So Jonah chapter 4, as we look at that to wrap up this study, um, Jonah's issues, uh, because that's what we refer to them as these days, you know, we all have issues, Jonah's issues become apparent to us in chapter 4 of this particular text, and right out of the chute, uh, Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. The best version of Jonah was not evident. This never happens to you. Never happened to me as a, as a parent or as a uh, young married person. Um, have you ever gotten upset about something? And then once you are pulled back from the situation, you go, why did that make me so angry? Uh, it happened um, at many times through the course of my life. This anger issue that uh, we all have to learn to deal with. And, and oftentimes what we find out is that the anger is a byproduct of me not getting something that I want. Um, my oldest son and I, uh, I only have one son, but my son and I uh, oftentimes uh, knocked heads. And it wasn't so much because he was doing something wrong, he just wasn't doing it the way I thought he should. And that led me to be angry. And when we're angry, you know, this isn't allowed anymore. You young guys, as you raise your children, you'll, you'll learn this much quicker than I did. You can't yell anymore, especially in public settings. Uh, in fact, if you even start to correct your children as they get older, and I teach at Waterloo Christian School, so, I, so I'm in contact with young people. I do some officiating. I see you, yelling at people today is, is correcting them in any way, shape, or form. You don't even have to raise your voice. If you're just correcting them, you're yelling at them. Okay, so you can't do that anymore. All right? That's on the back burner. No more. All right? It's not acceptable. But when I was raising Pete... Um, I had a habit of raising my voice because 
and surprisingly enough, um, we, we acquire habits that we don't intentionally mean to have. So my dad uh, was an Irish Catholic, and they believed in yelling. It wasn't a problem. My dad raised his voice at me. And I've turned out sort of normal, okay? It's not necessarily a bad thing. But he had that anger challenge as well. And, and I had it. And I have, to, I have to learn to deal with it. Uh, so I was telling guys in my group, um, my wife and I are leaving on our first vacation in 34 years where it's just her and I. And we're driving down to Florida uh, starting tomorrow evening. And this maybe never happens to you when you get behind the wheel of a vehicle, but wow, there are a lot of crazy drivers out there, okay? Or the stoplight is taking way too long to change. And so we get, we get angry. We get angry about stuff that just... We pour out energy and anger on things that doesn't make any sense. And, and so that's what's interesting. Jonah getting greatly displeased and furious was over watching something happen that sitting here today totally disconnected, we would go, well, we should be praising God. We should be excited. We should be celebrating because God made a decision to not destroy Nineveh. And Jonah looks at that circumstance and he goes, that makes him furious. That makes him mad. Jonah's issues. Okay? One of the things that happens as you get older, maybe you've seen this. Older people are often accused of being, becoming set in their ways. Okay? Um, if something doesn't work out the way I think it should, or isn't going the way that I think it, it should, we quickly can criticize and go, that's not the way it used to be. That's not the way it should be. Surprisingly enough, after almost 62 years on this planet, I should get figured out that the world doesn't work like I think it should. And we... When I see that, that shouldn't make me angry. That shouldn't make me angry. But it did in Jonah's case. Please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And if I knew all those things, why is my response to him doing it getting furious? So, this is, um, if you read throughout Scripture, there is a term that our culture today, and, and maybe Maybe it's one that, that you will uh, need to learn about as well and, and grow in. And it's 
actually mentioned as a gift of the Spirit in Galatians 5, and it's called self-control. Now, there's all kinds of great examples in our culture today of how we don't have that, okay? But self-control, God tells us that that is a quality, it is a gift, it is a character that should be true of us. So, for instance, you probably didn't have any trouble with this, but um, I had to get up 15 minutes earlier today than I normally have to come to this study because I wanted to make sure I was here on time to start teaching, okay? Now, 15 minutes, no big deal, right? 15. Why is it in our lives where it's much easier to stay up 15 minutes at night later than it is to have to get up 15 minutes earlier. You know, I made a big sacrifice this morning. I got up 15 minutes earlier. Isn't that how we look at those things? Self-control. Self-control. Um, I officiate high school sports for those of you who don't know me. <laughs> Oh, there are all kinds of stories I'd love to tell you, okay? And one of the huge, huge things that happens to us when we compete is there is almost a justification for us to not exhibit self-control, right? And, and even if we're wrong, I'm going to go down, even if I don't know the rule at all, I'm going to go down fighting because that can't be right. That can't be the way it is. Had a situation just this weekend. I was working and um, tough situation for an umpire to be in. It was a pitch that came in high and inside and the batter kind of went up like this and the ball came in and I had it coming off the knob of the bat and therefore then it went foul, and so we had a foul ball. And the first base coach for this particular team thought, it, you know, I, I missed it. It hit him on the wrist. Well, there is a different sound between the bat and, and flesh, typically. They don't sound the same. And the other thing that you do as, as you umpire is that's hard to see directly, Okay, because that's up in front of you and there's stuff in between. But you also watch the player, and a player typically who gets hit with a baseball doesn't have a hugely delayed reaction. Typically, if they do get hit, the hurt gets to their brain pretty quickly and there is some level of reaction. So, anyways, this assistant coach felt I was wrong. <laughs> and... Uh, what was great is you saw the opposites of, of it because the head coach came down from the third base box, never yelled at me, just asked a question. And I explained to him what I had, and we went on. Was I right? I don't know. We don't have it on video. Is it possible I was wrong? Yes. But that's the decision, and we move on. Self-control. Self-control. And I have to exhibit that. I can't start barking at people. Because I'm right. 
right? We don't ever do those things. Self-control. All works of the flesh reflect a lack of self-control. All works of the flesh reflect a lack of self-control. Great quote from a commentary I was reading this week. As we continue reading in chapter 4, we found out something else that made Jonah upset. And a lot of time is spent talking about this particular plant that grew up. And Jonah becomes greatly displeased when that plant, uh, as quickly as it came up, goes away. Greatly displeased. That never happens to you when it comes to your comfort, does it? I become greatly displeased because I can't watch the game that I wanted to see. Hey, you know, during the NBA Finals, uh, I grew up in a suburb of Milwaukee. So, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks competing in the NBA Finals was kind of a big deal for this guy. And uh, game four happened to coincide, or three, I'm not even sure which one it was now because it's that important. Um, but that was the evening that there were severe thunderstorms rolling through our area. And Channel 9 in Cedar Rapids, which was supposed to be showing the Bucks game, supposed to be, you know, was worried about saving people's lives. You know, tornado warnings, severe thunderstorms. You know, you need to take cover and for the whole game. I couldn't watch the game. Yeah, there's no issue with me and my convenience, right? Greatly displeased because a plant faded again. Compare what we saw about Jonah. Remember, as we have gone through this book, we have compared uh, chapter 1 and chapter 3, and we have compared chapter 2 and chapter 4. Did you go back and read Jonah's prayer in chapter 2? and compare it with what we saw in chapter 4. And Jonah talked about things in chapter 2, and you go, golly, he's a good religious guy, isn't he? Maybe he's getting it. And in chapter 4, we see Jonah's issues and how easy it is for Jonah to exhibit his anger and displeasure. Verse 9, then God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plants? Dave, is it right for you to be angry because you can't watch an NBA Finals game? Dave, is it right for you to be angry because your computer's not working? Think about the things we get angry about. Dave is a competitive person. Dave, is it okay for you to be angry because you missed that shot on number 16? I like to play golf, too. Is it okay? 
That question is so good. Just fill in the blanks. Fill in the blanks. Is it okay for you to be angry? If I really believe in God's sovereignty, that God is in charge, that everything happens because He wants it to, if I really believe that, that would be reflected in how I respond to all of the various circumstances I find myself in. Even the ones that I don't understand, don't agree with, seem to be wrong to me. I would respond much differently. When we become quickly frustrated, what's that based on? And all too often, it's based on our own selfish desires and the way we look at things. So, also back in my history, I was, uh, my wife and I had been married for about 16 years. And uh, we had gone through, uh, in the midst of my many different careers, and uh, we, were, we moved to Mason City with our four kids to plant a church. The church plant did not prove to be successful, but leading up to that, the whole year, year and a half, as we prepared to do this, we continued to see what we believed were God directing us, opening doors for us, pointing us in that direction. And we got to Mason City, and life happened. And things didn't work out as we intended. And the church plant failed. Um, it turns out that a couple of years after that, another planter went to that community, planted a church that continues to be and have an impact in the city of Mason City uh, for Jesus Christ. It's, it's a good thing. Um, but I have to deal with and have continued to deal with the fact that it didn't work with me leading it. And so God, throughout the course of Jonah's life, throughout the course of my life, throughout the course of your life, God consistently is going to be working on you and I to build godly character. To make me more like Jesus. You know, typically, because God is sovereign, he doesn't ask my permission for how he's going to do that. He doesn't say, hey, Drew, I'm going to do this to you um, so that you'll become more like Jesus. And then you get the chance to go, well, wait a second, I don't, you know, that's not the way God does things. But that's almost how we would like him to do it. Like he almost needs our permission before he starts to do this type of thing. Like he needed Jonah's permission to save 120,000 people from destruction in Nineveh. Think about that. Think about how self-centered we can be. And if it doesn't fit our plans, 
if it doesn't fit our timing, if it doesn't go the way I think it should. But hey, I believe God's sovereign. See how my mind has to be changed. I have to think differently. What might God be willing to do in my life to build godly character? And guess what? He still wants to do that. That doesn't go away. I've been fortunate enough. I was saved through the ministry of the Navigators when I was a sophomore at Drake University. And I've been fortunate enough to be walking with the Lord for more than 40 years now. You know what? God is faithful. And He still is asking me to be faithful. It doesn't go away because I turned 30. It doesn't go away because I'm no longer raising kids. It doesn't go away because I move to different communities. It doesn't go away because I take different jobs. God still is asking me to be faithful. Still refining my character. Still trying to get things through my thick skull. So, one of the things that I regularly tell people when I have the opportunity is that what I would describe as my life verses are fit in Isaiah chapter 55. So if you, can, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Isaiah 55. And I'm going to read verses 6 through 11. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will freely forgive. Here are the verses that strike me, eight and nine in particular. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Remember what we've been talking about? Jonah being displeased because a plant died. Jonah becoming furious because 120,000 people he didn't like, God saved. My thoughts, then your thoughts. Then verses 10 and 11. For just as rain and snow, snow fall from heaven and do not return there without saturating the earth and making it germinate and sprout, and providing seed to sow and food to eat. So my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. You know, one of the things 
that we find out as we read through Scripture over and over again is God and, and Jesus, even when he is on this earth, spend a lot of time talking to religious people, people like me. And he spends a lot of time correcting what we think, challenging what we do. Because you and I are creatures of habit. And once we start to do things, well, of course, that's the right way to do it. Once you get to be my age, the, you know, there are certain things that you're supposed to do. And unfortunately, as we read through Scripture over and over again, God wants to tell me that, why? Why am I limited to doing things only that way? Why do I have to do things that be, have become habit for you? and are convenient for you, and are easy for you to do. Am I supposed to be like that? As we were reading the first couple of chapters in Jonah, and you, if you were reading along uh, with the uh, 1002 reading program that the church is doing uh, throughout uh, this year, uh, we were in the book of Ezekiel, and reading in Ezekiel chapter 33, But your people say the Lord's way isn't fair, even though it is their own way that isn't fair. But your people say the Lord's way isn't fair, even though it is your, their own way that isn't fair. And if you re continue reading in Ezekiel chap chapter 33, it also talks about how God loves people so much he doesn't desire that any should perish. None. That's not his desire, that any should perish. Guess whose thought process needs to be changed? Mine. I got to think differently. When I interact with people on the trip down to Florida, and some driver cuts me off. I've got to think differently when I start to gather around other people who, you know, surprisingly enough, as my uh, children have gone through college, they've come back home and they think about things differently than I do. There's never been a discussion anywhere you've been at over the Black Lives Matter thing at all, right? The issues that divide us. Wouldn't it be great if we actually sat down to try to understand more? To listen, to engage. Maybe there's something that I need to learn. So, there was a phrase back in the day, I don't know if we still use it as much in the education world, but it's called being a lifelong learner. You know where we got that phrase from? That's scriptural. I believe God talks to you and I about being a lifelong learner. That I don't have all the answers. I don't at 25 
I don't at 35, I don't at 55, I don't at 75, if the Lord allows me to get there. I've got thoughts that need to be changed. I've got behaviors that need to be changed and come under and become more like Jesus Christ. Jonah shows that to us in chapter 4, and God talks to us. Do I really believe that God is sovereign? That God's in charge? That God loves all people? And if I believe all those things, if I believe them, then it means I've got to do things differently. Thanks for being a part of this study. Hopefully you draw many things from it. You have minutes now to pray with your groups before you go, and hopefully you found this opportunity well worth your time. Thanks, guys.